so when I was about 10 or 11, uh, I was on holiday in Suffolk with my family, and uh, my brother and I uh, got on our bikes, and we were cycling off to the local, uh, sort of there was a local swimming pool where all the neighbours used to sort of chip in and sort of help be lifeguards and things, and we were cycling down this country road to get there, uh, and my mum was following in the car to make sure that no one sort of, you know, was aggressively trying to overtake us or, or that we were basically safe. Um, the only problem was that at one crucial moment, I looked over my shoulder uh, to check that the car was still behind us. And at that particular moment, went straight into the ditch. Um, my front wheel went down into the ditch, I went over the handlebars and landed squarely on my head. Thankfully, I was wearing a helmet, and so I wasn't too physically injured, I don't think. I'll leave that to you to decide. <laughs> but uh, we all know that to protect your head is incredibly important that head injuries are some of the most significant and life-threatening that you can get. And wearing a helmet can literally be the difference between life and death. It can save your life. And it's exactly the same with the helmet of salvation. If you wear the helmet of salvation, if you wear God's salvation, it is the difference between life and death, and it will literally save your life. At the foundation of everything, of our lives as Christians, the armor of God, is salvation. It's the foundation on which everything else is built. And it's the thing which is constantly being challenged by the world around us, isn't it? That there's always something, that we're always looking for something that will work better. You know, we're always looking for the new thing, the new solution, the new answer to our problems. It's something new to save us from the issues of life. You know, what's the meaning of life? What's the reason for being? What's our purpose? Where do I find my contentment, my happiness, my security? Everyone's looking for the key that unlocks uh, that, that secret of what is life all about. And in this passage, Paul says, for him, the key to life, the universe, and everything is Christ. Being loved by him, knowing that he died and rose again to defeat everything that would try and separate us from God. And now that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, Paul says, I've found the secret of life we may well benefit from other help in life, of course. We will benefit from medical treatment if we've got an illness. We'll benefit from community if we're feeling isolated. If we're hungry, we're gonna need food. But if for whatever reason we didn't have access to those things, Paul's saying, I know that none of those things can ever drive me away from God. And even in the midst of suffering those things, God's love can be enough for me. Most of the world has missed that or dismissed it and instead is con constantly bombarding us with sort of alternative sources of salvation, alternative solutions to our problems and that's why the Bible speaks about this as a helmet, something that protects us from those temptations and the false promises of the world around us. So, so far in our series of the armor of God, we've looked at the, the belt of truth, uh, we've looked at our feet being fitted with a piece that comes from the gospel and this morning, with the helmet of salvation, we're going to be asking those questions of what is it, what is the, the helmet of salvation, uh, why is it important, and how do we wear it? So firstly, what is it? 
I wonder what comes to mind when you hear that word, salvation. You know, it's such a churchy word, isn't it? I think the only times I've heard it recently in sort of popular culture were in uh, sort of films about the end of the world. So Terminator, salvation. Or um, I was looking this up on Google, apparently there's a TV drama in America out at the moment called Salvation about an asteroid that's about to hit the world and blow it all into a thousand pieces. And, And what these kind of popular references get to is that salvation is about hope, isn't it? It's about where we find our hope. What does it mean to be saved, to be rescued, to be saved? And, and what does that mean that we're going to be saved from? And for Paul in this passage, the thing we're being saved from is that sense of separation from God. His big question in verse 35 is, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And later in the passage, he answers it saying, if we are hoping in Christ, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing because when we are reconciled to God through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can know and feel God's love, and therefore whatever happens, whatever comes our way, we will be able to not just survive difficulty, but overcome it and know joy and peace. We'll be more than conquerors. Our hope is the love of God in Jesus. That's our salvation, and it's a gift. In the first of these series, we looked at the passage in Ephesians chapter six where Paul writes about the armor of God. And when he gets to the helmet of salvation, in the past he said, fasten the belt of truth around your waist. You know, clothe yourself in the breastplate of righteousness. But when he gets to the helmet, he says, receive the helmet of salvation. The emphasis is on reacting to something someone else has done. It's like receiving a gift. The helmet of salvation is something that is given to us by the Father. It's not something we can make or find or or manufacture. It's only something that we we can receive as an undeserved gift from God, something that he places on our heads. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, or as Paul writes in this passage, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, an undeserved gift of God's extraordinary, extravagant generosity for us. In the Old Testament, the agreement that uh, the people had with God was that when they messed up and they made mistakes, they had to bring a sacrifice. So if they did something small, they had to bring a small animal, like a pigeon, and if they did something really bad, they had to bring something a bit more valuable, like a a lamb, or then a ram, or, or maybe even a bull. And when it came to trying to find something that would make up for the sins of the whole people, they had a massive long shopping list of sort of 10 bulls and 12 rams and 14 goats and this and that. But, but it never changed their hearts. Every year they had to keep going around and around and around, bringing the same sacrifices to make up for the ways in which they'd fallen short. And there were some things like premeditated murder. There was no sacrifice. That was it. But then God sends Jesus. He gives his one and only son as the biggest ultimate sacrifice that anything could ever warrant. Whatever bit of wrong humanity has done, past, present, future, it is all covered by Jesus' sacrifice. And more than that, where the sacrifices of God's people in the Old Testament help them make peace with God, Jesus' sacrifice doesn't just bring us peace, it brings us intimacy with God. It brings us adoption into his family. The Bible talks about God adopting us as his children. And that's what the difference is between Jesus' sacrifice and all the others, is that now we are children of God. And that's why 
It's the gift that keeps on giving because when we become children of God, it means that God is now our father. He parents us. He begins to give us his spirit to change us so we begin to want to do what he asks of us. And because God has forgiven us so completely, it means that he is totally for us. I love those words in that passage. If God is for us, who on earth can be against us? You know, Paul uses almost this legal language to say, God's justified us. You know, what else is anyone going to do? If God has seen our darkest secrets, he's seen us at our worst and says, I am for you, I love you, I want you as my child, then what on earth is anyone else going to bring against us? It's as if the queen has said, um, I'm, I've put through the adoption papers, you're now part of my family, uh, I'm giving you a pardon for any wrong you've done in the past, uh, you're now part of the royal family. No one else can then say, oh, you know, we, we, you know if, she's, if she's pardoned us for anything that's happened, no one's going to be able to try us again for it. No one's able to come against us and say, oh, well, you did this or you did that. No, the highest authority has said, I love you, I've forgiven you, I'm for you, you are my child. That's what salvation is like. It's when God adopts us as his children, forgives all our past, and offers us total love and commitment for the future, that no matter what happens, He will never stop loving us. Our hope for everything comes from our relationship with God and from Jesus' death and resurrection. So, if this is salvation, why is it important? Well, it's important because if it's the truth, if it's true, then everything else has to be built upon it. It's the foundation of everything. And with it, we have immense protection, and without it, we are more vulnerable than we could ever possibly know. So a few weeks ago, uh, many of you will remember that I managed to get hold of a tool belt, uh, thanks to Andrew Easton, and uh, I will bring it back, by the way. <laughs> and uh, this week, I have a helmet, uh, courtesy of Jim Roberts, who is in the Army Reserve, so he's lent me his helmet. <laughs> okay, that, yeah, that, oh, oh, there we go, it's clean. Um, and uh, so here we go, this offers immense protection. It's incredibly thick, do you want to just give it a knock? <laughs> you can go, you're harder than that, come on, huh? I was kind of hoping your hand would come off worse. Um, So, (laughs) this should protect you from most hazards that you face in a battlefield. You know, it'll, it'll, short of a direct hit, this will stop a bullet if it glances off. Um, It will protect you if there's shrapnel flying around. Um, It will protect you if you walk under a, through a window or a door and, you know, you hit the window frame. There are all kinds of hazards that this will protect you from. And it's the same with the helmet of salvation. Paul begins to talk about some of the hazards that he faces in life uh, that he is saved from with his helmet. Verses 35 and 38 and 39, some of the things that Paul needed protection from in his day-to-day life. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword. And he talks about other things, you know, death, life, angels, demons, the present, the future. And I wonder what these things might look like for us. Some of them might be the same now, you know, trouble, the stresses and strains of the world, of anxiety about work, challenges with family, hardship, as Paul writes, or kind of an extreme anguish, maybe from a, a physical or a mental illness. Persecution, being treated differently, singled out maybe because of our faith, rejected or sidelined from stuff. You know, we might not be facing food and clothing shortages as Paul did, or, or we might, but We'll probably might, or we may well face financial hardship at some point in life. And with the coronavirus and Storm Dennis, we might be facing real danger, or, or our family might. 
But Paul can talk about how in spite of all these things, he still knew the love of God in the midst of them all. He still knew the reality of salvation. He still had his helmet on, and it was giving him protection. Perhaps the best book I've ever read on that question of suffering and God uh, is a book called Raging with Compassion by a guy called John Swinton. Uh, And he talks about how suffering doesn't have to be evil. Um, But actually, that the definition of evil is anything that drives us apart from God, anything that separates us. And therefore, suffering doesn't have to do that. We can let God redeem that suffering and by keeping our helmets on, and in the midst of it, we can resist evil and God can work in our suffering to bring us closer to him. Paul knew the reality that once we are saved, once we've found salvation, once we've received it as a gift from God, nothing needs to separate us from him. If we keep trusting him, we can always know that he'll turn things around for good. Even when we die, death itself is overcome, and we can look forward to an eternity with Jesus. We can keep the salvation helmet on, even through death. But, and there is a big but, there is a massive temptation to take off the helmet of salvation. What you realize after wearing this, even for a few minutes now, is that it's actually quite heavy and uncomfortable. when you've been walking with God through a time of suffering that's gone on and on and on, and you've been facing an illness or a family member for a year and then two years and then a decade, sometimes the tension of trying to live in that gap of, God, I know you're good and I know you love me and I know you died for me and you have plans for me to prosper and not harm me, but God, I'm dealing with this. And sometimes the weight and the discomfort of staying in that tension and saying, God, I'm going to keep trusting you can become a big weight, and sometimes we think it's just easier to shelve the whole God thing than carry on trying to get our heads around how God could possibly love me, whilst our day-to-day experiences say something different. And just before the service, we were praying, and someone had an image of a helmet lying on the side of the road, and a real sense that maybe there are some of us here today who've been walking along the road with God, and we've just said, this is too much, and we've just unbuttoned it, and taken it off, and let it fall down at the side. Or we might feel silly because no one else is wearing a helmet. So when I picked this up from Jim Roberts on Tuesday evening, I I went home and I thought I'd put it on uh, and get ready, and then I'd go in to see Sarah, uh, and she would see me with it in the the living room. And as I walked in, she just turned to me and said, wow, you don't look silly in the slightest in that. Um, (laughs) Thanks, love. Um, And it's true, isn't it? Being Christians in a world and a particular society which would probably no longer identify as Christian, it can get awkward. You know, we can go to work on Monday morning and someone says, oh, you know, how was your weekend? And all of a sudden it's really nerve-wracking to just say, yeah, I I had a great time, I was at church on Sunday morning. That becomes nerve-wracking. Or to say, actually, I had this amazing answer to prayer when someone prayed for me and it made such a difference. We can stick out like a sore thumb, can't we, in our workplaces, with our families, with our non-Christian friends we can feel really self-conscious and suddenly we feel like the only person in the room that's wearing a massive old helmet thing and we just think, God, you know what, it'd be easier if I could just take this off. It'd be easier if I could just fit in. It could be easier if I could just look like everyone else. And then there are other times when we think, why on earth am I wearing a helmet? It's not like I'm in a war zone. You know, why am I getting so hung up on all this Jesus stuff, trying to live so hard? Um, It's not like it's going to make a massive difference. You know, I've got everything I need, I've got somewhere to live, I've got a loving family, I've got enough money to get by, I don't really need God anymore. Um, And this is just kind of annoying. Can't I just take it off and leave it? 
Um, when I wore one of these helmets on Army Cadet training exercises, uh, we used to take them off at the first possible opportunity when we thought we were safe. You know, we were away from everything, there was no risk, we weren't going to bash our heads on a, on a building or anything. But we are in a spiritual war zone, and to take our helmets off in the middle of an active war zone is stupidly dangerous, to the point of almost being suicidal. And I think that what often happens with our helmets of salvation is these things try and lull us into a false sense of security. Or we just feel trying to maintain that tension between God is good and life is difficult gets too much and we want to take it off. Or we get tired of feeling like we're always sticking out as a Christian in the places that we work or live. Or we get lulled into that full sense of security and think, well, you know, life's pretty good. Do I really need this? And so eventually we just say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to have a break. I'm going to take this off. I'm going to take a break from life group, from church from prayer, from Bible reading. I'm just gonna, just gonna have a break. And before we know it, we are dangerously exposed to whatever the enemy might wanna do. Our passions for the wrong things in life, our greeds, our lusts, our, our selfishnesses that exist in all of us can begin to grow as the world and advertising eggs us on. It can begin to fracture our relationships with our friends and loved ones as we put ourselves first because we're just struggling to resist the temptations around us. Our focus can become taken up with this life and this life alone and we forget about what might happen after death. We begin to worship the wrong things and then we start comparing ourselves with our idols of success and wealth and physical perfection and all those things and, and then we begin to feel this aching sense of dissatisfaction that we're never gonna be able to reach them. And then the lies of the enemy begin to enter our heads. You know, we say, we think we're a failure. We begin to hear these voices say, you're weak, you're worthless. If people knew what you were really like, they wouldn't love you. And all of a sudden, our biggest defense of the God who would come behind us and say, if I'm for you, no one can stand against you. We find that that's gone. And that we might have to face those things on our own. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. When we take off the helmet of salvation, we face doing battle with that enemy on our own. And no one can win that battle. It's an impossible fight. The voices and pressures of society that would trick us into sort of unfettered consumerism, materialism, trick us into aspiring unattainable levels of wellness or physical perfection, all those things will try and trap us in isolation and hardship and trouble. And they never offer any hope of actually saving us the helmet of salvation will save our lives, literally. The number of testimonies I've heard where people said, I was in hell with this thing, with this addiction, with this issue, but then Jesus came, and it was like the lights went on, and he brought me out, and things are getting better. I love those words from the hymn, and can it be, when the writer says, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Don't ever take the helmet off which God has given you. Don't ever give up on his love as your salvation, our ultimate foundation and our final defense against the difficulties and temptations of life. So how do we wear it? Well, for any helmet to be effective, it has to actually be on. Uh, and uh, you know, there was that one person at school that was always told, if, if your head wasn't screwed on, you'd leave it behind. Anyone remember that person? You know, If your head wasn't screwed on. And you know that to a degree, there are times when 
if we've been walking with the Lord for a long time, we can kind of forget it's there. It's like sunglasses in the summer. I've, the number of times I've turned to Sarah and said, have you seen my sunglasses anywhere? And she's like, they're on your face. <laughs> and, and you know, there's that time, it, just, it almost gets so comfortable. We've been doing the Christian thing so long that we kind of forget it's there. And so when we then face a challenging issue, or you know, we suddenly have to go to a hospital appointment, or we've got a really challenging meeting that we're not looking forward to, do we remember it's there and, say, and start praying? Lord, would you help? Lord, would you be with me? Remind me, Lord, that nothing can separate me from your love. That as I go into this thing, you are with me and that you will give me what I need to help me get through it. We need to make sure it's on. And finally, the helmet needs to be correctly fitted to each person's head. Um, everyone has a different size and shaped head, as you can probably uh, guess. And if a military helmet isn't correctly fitted to your head, it can become dangerous. Uh, so I remember being constantly told that if it's loose, uh, it can, if, if it catches on something, it'll start moving around. And if it gets filled with water and it's loose, it can begin to tilt your head back and damage your neck and your back. And there are some of us who might have been in church who have heard this whole salvation thing. We know the textbook answers. We know that salvation is Jesus died for me and rose again to set me free from my sin, bring me to be a child of God. But what does it mean to you? It means something to me. I can look back on my life and I can see where God's been at work. The salvation fits me. It's a, he gives us a helmet that is tailor-made to us. What does salvation look like for you? Because if it's not properly fitted and we haven't got there, sometimes it can become a real drag. We sort of think, well, why are we doing this? You know, it can begin to become an extra burden that we're trying to reconcile with life. But if we know how God has saved us, what he's done, what it looks like for our lives, then actually we'll become more and more proud of wearing this thing because we'll realize that without this, we're not us. That this is an integral part of who we are. That when we look back at our story and we say, yeah, God brought me out of this, God answered that prayer. Uh, he showed up at this point when I needed him. And actually I felt his love and I know that I'm his child. If we can talk about that for us, then that's when the rest of the world stands up and listens because they see how salvation makes a difference to us. Once it's properly fitted to us, once it's on correctly, then we will be really proud of having it and we'll never want to take it off. So why don't we just pray for a few minutes um, into some of those things before we then have communion. Heavenly Father, thank you that you give us the gift of salvation. Thank you that it is tailor-made to us. Thank you for the stories of where you have come through in our own lives. And Father, as we look back on those, would you give us strength and would you give us humility to ask you to keep this helmet on our heads? Lord, where we've taken it off and let it fall on the road because it's just become heavy or because it's become uncomfortable or because we didn't want to be seen wearing it when no one else was wearing it. Lord, would you come and speak again? Show us the value, the, the worth, the importance, the safety that we get from being your children and how much we need it. So Lord, in each of our hearts today, show us again the depth of your salvation, the depth of your love, to know that if you're for us, no one can be against us and to know that nothing can separate us from your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.